Welcome to Dig It. This is the speaker. I am here today with my co-host, the Sharp Edge and Coralyn of Corey's Digs. How are you guys doing? Hey there, doing good. I'm doing awesome. How about you guys? Fantastic. What a week we're having. We are. <laughs> um, so much to go through this week. I'm not even going to like put the dot points out there. Just the theme of the show is just winning because it's been a pretty incredible week on all fronts, really. It has. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think we should set the stage. So on February 9th, Trump tweets out, drain the swamp in all caps with an exclamation point. Now, we know that's his favorite saying. And oftentimes you'll see a tweet where he's talking about, you know, some some nefarious corrupt stuff that was going on and then he'll end it with drain the swamp. But this was like, there was something about this one. I'm like, hmm. So I retweeted it and I said, I hope this is code for stat. And then the next 48 hours was like bombshell after bombshell. It was crazy. In fact, there's so much, we're not going to have time to even cover it all. So we're going to have to tell you some headlines on some and then go into details on others. Okay. And we all know that Trump's been loading up on judges. And then we have Trump and National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien cut 70 positions from Obama's holdover National Security Council. Ooh. I know. I think you have more on that, Edge. Well, yeah, we heard about Vendman getting uh, let go and how wonderful that was. On Great news on Friday after the impeachment. We were just like, yes, great way to end the <laughs> week. Uh, so he let go of not only Vendman, but his twin brother and also Sondland, the ambassador. The bigger picture is that there were 70 positions cut from the National Security Council, which is awesome because it had been bloated um, under the Obama administration. And a lot of those people were Obama holdovers, which are not loyal to Trump. I personally believe, and this is my opinion, that Trump knew this and that it was all kind of a setup. That's my theory anyways, is that he was allowing some of these holdovers to be in certain positions. And it was kind of laying a trap. And really got all these people ensnared and really gave Trump an, an opportunity once again to expose the whole conspiracy against him. So right. uh, a lot of these people are, are now gone. It's like Trump, starting at the end of last week and all through this week, just released the hounds. That was a message like, okay, now, boom, green light, let's go, let's do this. Yeah, yeah. And so what, here's one example of just 4D chess, okay? This woman named Jessie Liu, she was nominated in September 2017 to lead the U.S. Attorney's Office in Washington. And that office handles a lot of high-profile cases, including the Flynn case, the Manafort case, the Roger Stone case. So Trump nominates Jesse Liu, and obviously there, we believe there have been mishandlings and corruption on the prosecutor side of these cases, specifically with Flynn's case, but also in Roger Stone's case. But my point is that she oversaw that office. So Trump nominated Jesse Liu to oversee the Terrorism and Financial Crimes Division of the Treasury Department. He had mentioned that he was going to do this back in December of 2019, I believe. And so last month, Jesse Liu resigned from her position as the head of this U.S. Attorney's Office in Washington. And Barr put in his guy 
Timothy Shea. And so then Tuesday, Trump withdrew his nomination of Jesse Liu. So mm-hmm. <laughs> he didn't even have to fire her or anything or nothing. He just, he just, it's so clever. That's 40 chess right there, draining the swamp. In response to the Roger Stone situation, the DOJ has said that they believe that the, the sentencing request was excessive. And since that, four prosecutors from the Roger Stone case have resigned or quit the case. Aaron Zielinski, Adam Jed, Michael Miranda, and Jonathan Kravis withdrew from the case. And Kravis actually quit altogether being a federal prosecutor. So he's just trying to get as far away from this as possible, I think. Speaking of the DOJ, it seems like they've been really busy lately. Yeah, so Barr came out and and did a little press conferences and said he has indictments on four Chinese for breaking into Equifax and obtaining personal info, including social security numbers on nearly 150 million Americans. Then he announces the uh, new sanctions against local and state governments that obstruct the lawful functioning of our nation's immigration system in areas with sanctuary cities. He also filed a federal complaint against the state of New Jersey against its laws that forbid state and local law enforcement from sharing vital information about criminal aliens with DHS. And King County, Washington, which coincidentally is where Bill Gates lives, as well as (laughs) California. (laughs) You know, I have to get that in there. So he also states, he says further, we are reviewing the practices, policies, and laws of other jurisdictions across the country. This includes assessing whether jurisdictions are complying with our criminal laws, in particular, the criminal statute that prohibits the harboring or shielding of aliens in the United States. So he's, he's dead serious here. He's going against, because I mean, my God, look at all this that we've seen lately in the the whole releasing and and how they're even working with keeping ice from information. And they just released, I think it was in New York, there was a big fentanyl case and they were released. And we've seen it time and time again, where they get released and then they go out and they kill someone. This has gotten out of control and it's about time they step in and do something about this. So, so that was a big, that was a big one. It's uh, the wake of the honey badger, isn't it? I'm telling you. And then the NYPD, that one got pretty heated too, calling out de Blasio. That was great to see. I mean, not for the reasons behind it, of course, but the Sergeants Benevolent Association, which has 13,000 active and retired sergeants of the NYPD, were absolutely livid with de Blasio and calling him out after the recent targeted shootings at the 41 Precinct in the Bronx there was one officer injured, but then just a little while before that, the same guy had approached a patrol van that had two officers in it, and he ended up wounding one of them. So they are absolutely just fed up with the way de Blasio has been handling things. And they, they tweeted out, this was on February 9th, they said, Mayor de Blasio, the members of the NYPD are declaring war on you. We do not respect you. Do not visit us in hospitals. You sold the NYPD to the vile creatures, the 1% who hate cops but vote for you. NYPD cops have been assassinated because of you. This isn't over. Game on. Then they posted another tweet, same day, 
saying President Trump is 100% correct. NYS and NYC need the support of the Department of Justice. Criminals are being released. It's time we prosecute in federal court. The mayor is ruining NYC. Cops have been stopped from doing their jobs. NYC is under siege. Send in the feds. Wow. Yeah, it was it was pretty heated. And then um, Commissioner, is it, I don't know if it's pronounced Shea or Shea, it's S-H-E-A, said that the protests helped create an anti-police environment. And he said, uh, these things are not unrelated. We had people marching through the streets of New York City recently. Words matter and words affect people, uh, people's behavior. So de Blasio responds after the uh, comments made by the Sergeant Benevolence Association, by its president, Ed Mullins, Uh, Mayor de Blasio said those kinds of accusations are absolutely inappropriate and that he was disgusted by it. He said to see him try to format hatred and division, literally try to make the situation worse. It's dangerous. I've seen already a lot of outrage from people today who think it's not appropriate for anyone who wears a uniform to say things like that, especially someone who was elected to represent members of the NYPD, which is just a crock of shit. I mean, we've all seen what's been going on there. They've, they, the police officers have just been brutally attacked. And between the mayor and the governor there, yeah. they're and, doing nothing to help this situation. And even the suicides lately, a lot of people have speculated that it could be a contributed to that, to the lack of respect, the lack of support, the extra stress because of you know, de Blasio's statements and his policies. This is happening in the majority of democratic states, though. What what they are generally trying to do is cuck the police. They're, they're, they're taking sides of criminals and they're putting laws in place to protect criminals over law enforcement. Right, exactly. They're, they've been bashing ICE. They've been passing crazy legislation in some areas. And this is exactly why Barr came out and is, uh, you know, doing what he's doing now. It's hard to fathom, though, because, like, look, not, not all cops are good. You know, there, there is bad cops out there. I've, I've known them before. But they're definitely not the majority. But with criminals, you know 100% a criminal was bad. Here's what it is, is that for Democrats, they see them as actual votes. Like, for example, with Cuomo releasing people, you know, from prison so that they could vote. And typically people that are pro-military and pro-police tend to be conservative. It's pandering, too. It's like, so we know there's a lot of crime within dominant black communities. Like, we we know this. Black on black crime, right? And cops going going in there are completely outnumbered, right? They're going to have a hard time. Also, what, what these... Democratic mayors and governors are doing. Are they trying to pander to those sort of race race baiting issues as well? You know what I mean? Look, we're trying to mm-hmm. protect black people. We're trying to protect Mexicans and Hispanics, even though, you know, when it comes to their gang related issues, they're really bad. But that doesn't matter. Right. No, it's right. all about shoring up the base, trying to get elected again. <laughs> and creating mass chaos in the process. Mm. And then we see, then we see finally Jesse Smollett. The famous French actor. I love how I love how uh, Donald Trump Jr. said, "Finally, vindication, juicy. Your perpetrator has been indicted." 
Yep. For his, for anyone who doesn't remember, the, I think it was all over. So most people are familiar with him now. If they if they didn't know he was an actor before, he um it was a fake hate crime you know hoax that was pulled off last year. And so now we finally see the six count indictment. But then also, and it's by a special prosecutor in Chicago. And the court date is set for February 24th. But also, uh, I believe Kim Fox is being investigated for dropping the original charges. So I'd be curious to see what comes of that. And, and so she should, because she's got connections to the Obamas. Oh, yeah. Um, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker. And so does Juicy. Mm-hmm. So, so it's going to be interesting to see the blowback on them. Yeah. And then, and then the Oscars, go ahead, speaker, take it away on the Oscars. We'll, we'll we just uh, have to like chime in a little bit on this. I will just mention it in passing. Well, the Oscars was down like 20% or something from last year. It was their lowest ever viewership at like 22 point something million, which is still a lot, but compared to other years, it was absolutely horrendous. And this is really good to see because people don't care anymore. People don't care about elitist opinions. People don't want rich elitists, liberals, telling them that they're racist, telling them that they're wrong, telling them that they're stupid. And so you, you had Joaquin Phoenix go up there and he went on this tirade about how they're herding cows or something like that. That's really great. He did uh, actually make a couple good points in his little spiel. I did see that part. Um, I happened to turn the TV on for like 10 minutes and that's when it was up there. Um, but, but yeah, the rest of it was... Eh. it's just funny the topics they choose to discuss global warming always right you know how we're raping cows and Mm. stealing their milk but Mm. what about the children in hollywood and that does that ever get discussed there was a brilliant did you guys see the 16 minute i can't i don't remember i don't recall the guy's name but it was on tedx did you see that? The guy that went up and was going on about child trafficking and how important it is. And I loved it because he was telling the audience, you don't get to feel comfortable. I'm sorry. I'm not here to make you feel comfortable. You need to know. You don't get to walk away from this one. And he's like, this isn't just happening, you know, in the dark corners. Like America is like the number one for commercializing child trafficking. And he starts listing off, you know, these are people in positions of power and he starts listing them off. And I'm like, this is genius. This is like the article I wrote a couple of years ago on, you know, hunting the hunters and, and, and the nests where I covered the nests. And um, so I, I shared my, the few reports I have on child trafficking and whatnot, but it was, it was nice to see something like that on TEDx and it, it got shared quite a bit. So hopefully that'll, that'll wake some people up. Oh, and, and then we had this, I forgot his name. That's how much I don't care about him. Brad Pitt. He had to chime in on um, the John Bolton thing. And, and it's just like, why? All of a sudden, liberals love John Bolton. The neo- how funny con. is yeah. that? <laughs> how funny is that? Oh, the man. The warmongering neocon. I, they do it every time. It's funny. I guarantee if you go back to like tweets over like a year ago, you should see the hatred that they had for John Bolton. Now he's a hero. Yeah. They're, they're unbelievable. <laughs> Just like I, I don't think they have real long like attention spans. They're not authorities on anything except for acting. So <laughs> any kind of advice they're giving you or perspective they're giving you, you have to understand. Just take it with a grain yeah, of salt. No, no one, no one should sit there 
and listen and be berated by rich, famous people mm-hmm. about how you should live your life and what you should do and what you should care about because they don't see any of that shit. Right. They've got guards to protect them with guns. They've got gates around their houses. They're so far away from you and I, it's not even funny. And they're turning a blind eye to the child trafficking within their own business. I mean, it's systemic that children, uh, child actors are tossed around and preyed upon by people in power. And they turn a blind eye to it. I don't ever see hashtags for that. Nope. It's the dirty little secret they want to keep. Before those people got caught, and don't tell me half of them didn't know what they were doing, because of course they did, because you are who you surround yourself with. It's always that's something I've always believed. Well, and right? it's a system and a structure and how it operates and how it's always operated. So anyone who gets deep in it knows. They protected Weinstein. They thanked, you know, Weinstein was an amazing person until he got busted and they all couldn't bloody, you know, stand back anymore. And most of them are shut up about it. If you haven't right. noticed, apart from accusers, they won't talk right. about it. Right? They sweep that under the rug. Same with Spacey. Same with Cosby. Right? Same same with all of them. Mm -hmm. Right? They don't don't talk about that anymore. Let's forget that. Let's hope people forget that these people are our friends. Yeah. Except for the handful of brave people that have come forward and are in the court. Yeah. Of course. So then we have another bombshell. So I haven't had a chance. I don't know if you guys have. I haven't had a chance to watch all of Rudy Giuliani's podcasts. I watched um, like one and a half. And I just haven't had time because I've been working on my book. But I did catch just a quick snippet on, uh, he was on with Waters saying he has witnesses, he has a memo, and he has names. And then there was the drop that Rudy is now sharing information with Barr. So what's the scoop on that, Edge? Yeah, so Rudy continually has been dropping bombs. And he's been on in a couple of interviews that I've seen. Yeah, that one with Waters and then another one. I can't remember what it was, but um, Steve Bannon was also um, on that that podcast where Rudy has talked about how he's been gathering up. He's really been doing all of the legwork on this Ukraine investigation, like really doing good investigative work, getting to the bottom of what it is they're trying to cover up, why they initiated this impeachment thing in the first place because they really wanted to cover up real crimes that were happening in the Ukraine. So he's been uncovering that and gathering really solid evidence. Last week or the week before, we talked about the Ukraine prosecutor, how he had um, actually a medical report that showed that he there was an attempted assassination against him. The latest podcasts and interviews that he's done, he's been talking about how he's gathered up information about a January 2016 meeting It was a National Security Council meeting um, under the Obama administration. And remember, Eric Charamella, the supposed whistleblower, the fake whistleblower, he was part of the National Security Council. So he may have actually been in on this meeting in January 2016. So in this meeting, Obama and Biden officials tell Ukrainians to dig up dirt on Manafort in order to damage Trump's campaign. And Rudy has three witnesses to this. He has a list of people that were involved, and he has a memo to, pr- to prove it. And so that is bombshell. He also talked about how he has bank transactions showing um, money being transferred from the, the Ukraine, laundered in a couple different places that are disguised as loans. And then it ends up here in the U.S., and we don't know what happens to it, but we assume it has, that it was received by Hunter. 
And then we also know, um, this is based on Glenn Beck's reporting, but ties into what Rudy has been digging up, that this $1.8 billion in taxpayer dollars was sent from the U.S. Treasury. It ended up in one bank, Privat Bank. And this money gets laundered, being disguised in a couple different places as loans, and then it disappears. And again, we suspect some of that went to Hunter Biden. Uh, so, but Provat Bank is connected to Soros. It's connected to CrowdStrike. So it really, they're uncovering a lot of what was going on, that there was a giant money laundering scheme, some taxpayer dollars involved, the Obama administration involved, trying to dig up dirt on Trump, using the Ukrainians to do that, to, to dig up dirt on Manafort in order to damage Trump. So all of this stuff Rudy's gathering evidence on, and he's presented it to Barr. And Barr confirmed that uh, in a press conference, and he said that he has, you know, his team are reviewing and vetting this material. So they are looking into it. Imagine if they were to go through all of our foreign aid and trace the money, what they might find. Right. Billions upon billions, probably trillions. Yeah. Laundering's the name of the game. In fact, I was, this is kind of funny. I was on um, the Clinton Foundation's website looking something up. I'm on there often. <laughs> and I'm, I just stopped for a second and I'm looking at the photo on the homepage and I start laughing because if you look at the wall, so it's, so it's Bill and Hillary and some other folks standing there and they're standing in front of this wall and you can catch kind of like a couple little drawing kids drawings on the wall, but above it in a huge word, it says laundry. And I just start laughing. <laughs> That's perfect. They are, they're, they're the laundromat. They are just money launderers with their huge circle of friends, same circle over and over and over again. With our money, with our taxpayer money, no yep. less. <laughs> yep. Also, did you guys see that they just made um, top Republicans, Jim Jordan for the House Judiciary Committee and Mark Meadows for the House Oversight Committee. So I'm telling you, they are, things are aligning. They are, their ducks were already in a row and it was like sound the alarm, boom, and just dominoes and popcorn from here on out. I'm telling you. And if you think about it, now we know Trump's going to win the re-election, but let's just say, let's just say, we're 99.9% .9 certain he's going to win. But there's that one one hundredth of a chance that somehow they pull off voter fraud or something crazy. And that puts us at, you know, the end of this year here. So they're going to want to roll this stuff up fast. Just to be 100% certain, they're going to want to clean house, you know, drain the swamp, get indictments out, get some stuff reorganized, just to be on the safe side. I mean, I fully 100% believe he's going to be reelected. But just thinking from their standpoint, strategically, I think things are going to start moving so fast, we're going to have a hard time keeping up. Agreed. I think that they just really opened the floodgates this week. It was like uh, Trump just flipped the switch. They were just yeah. waiting for the for the for the switch to be flipped. Like you know, gave the green light, and it's just been boom, 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 boom. And like for example, with uh, Director Ray admitting before the House Ju Judiciary Committee this week that the FISA warrants to spy on Trump's campaign were illegal. 
it just seems like it really is everything. Finally, something came out of Ray's mouth. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, so this is how it went down. There was this House Judiciary Committee meeting this week where uh, Ray was testifying. Ratcliffe asks him, he says, the report acknowledges, he's referring to the IG report. He says, the report acknowledges that this was a legal surveillance with respect to at least several of the FISA applications because there was no probable cause or proper predication, correct? And Ray said, right. So he agreed to that. And Trump then responded via Twitter, of course. (laughs) (laughs) He's been on fire the last couple days on Twitter. Yeah. He says, FBI Director Christopher Wray just admitted that the FISA warrants and surveillance of my campaign were illegal. So Mm. was the dossier. Therefore, this whole scam investigation, the Mueller report and everything else for three years was a fixed hoax. Who pays the prize? We've seen panic all day at the moment. If you've been watching Twitter feeds, every single swamp rat is just coming out to either have a go at Trump or something. People that we don't hear from often. John Podesta, um, Obama. You don't hear from him much. In the last couple of days, he's been active. That one, that one. Okay, I totally forgot about that. So I got to read that tweet because I don't know if you guys read that article. It was so long, I could only get through half of it. I was dying. It was like a movie script of the biggest magnitude of projection crap you've ever seen. (laughs) I, did you guys read any of that art? So, so he links to an article and he says, even if the methods are new, sowing the seeds of doubt, division, and discord to turn Americans against each other is an old trick. The antidote is citizenship, to get engaged, organized, mobilized, and to vote on every level in every election. And he attaches this ridiculous story. It actually says it's a story. It's the billion-dollar disinformation campaign to reelect the president. And holy cow, you guys got to read it. I mean, you'll, you'll get a huge laugh out of it. It's, it's crazy. It's like a story of, well, I set out to, you know, I wanted to file Trump. I wanted to start on Facebook. So I clicked on this link and then I gave their campaign my phone number. And next thing you know, I'm getting flooded with this and that and all the ads everywhere in this huge disinformation campaign. And now I'm wondering what's going on. It was like this huge, just obnoxious. I mean, they were attacking so many people in this too. And um, it was the biggest spin hunk of bull I think I have read yet. I mean, it was that outlandish. It was. Thank you for reading that for us, Corey. I had, yeah, I know. <laughs> it was like spot on. I should pull it up and read something from it just to give you a bite. But it literally says story by McKay Copins. And, and it starts out, one day last fall, I sat down to create a new Facebook account. I picked a forgettable name, snapped a profile pic with my face obscured, and clicked like on the official pages of Donald Trump and his reelection campaign. Facebook's algorithm prodded me to follow Ann Coulter, Fox Business, and a variety of fan pages with names like, In Trump We Trust, I complied. I also gave my cell phone number to the Trump campaign and joined a handful of private Facebook groups for mega diehards, one of which required an application that seemed designed to screen out interlopers. And it just goes on and on in that tone, in this like, storytelling tone and then to my dismay and my shock and next thing you know i'm being hammered with this and that and then 
with one swipe, with one swipe, all of the sudden, I'm being flooded with this and that. It was just, it's so outlandish. And yet it's hysterical because it is identical to what we've been having to deal with ourselves from, you know, Democrat stuff and the censorship and the shadow banning and the all of it in our face. So I thought that was, I thought, wow, of, of you know, for him to make the tweet comments he did is one thing, but then to attach this, holy heck, these people are in fear right now. Oh, yeah. There's, well, Schumer also came out today, said, I, I tweeted about it before. Does anyone think it's out of the question that President Trump might order the FBI to investigate Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, or anyone else? They're panicking <laughs> everywhere, man. You, you, you had, they you had should on, be investigated. They committed crimes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But like even Morning Joe, like your tweet this morning, Edge. Yes, I. They're like, see, they're all up in arms about how the prosecutors from Roger Stone's case uh, quit, and they just think that oh, Trump is interfering and getting his friends, you know, special deals, and and then he can go after he can go after whoever he wants. See, they're setting it up. They're getting. Mm -hmm. They're doing what we we know they always do. They're getting ahead of the story. So yep. this, the future story is that, you know, Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, all these people, uh, people in the media are under investigation. So they're getting ahead of that story by saying, he's such a tyrant. He's giving his friends deals and he's going to investigate his enemies. He can investigate anybody in the media. He can and he's a dictator and a demagogue. Hold mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> later. My favorite was when Biden was on MSNBC and he says, I refuse to suggest any Democrat can lose. I think we could run Mickey Mouse against this president and have a shot. <laughs> this comes after he calls a girl a lying dog face pony soldier yeah. at one of his campaign events. I mean, he's, he's off his freaking rocker. Then we have these fake polls coming out. Have you guys seen some of these fake polls where they're showing every single one of them has Trump beat? And even uh, Klo Klobuchar and Bloomberg. Come oh, on now. Good grief. All you oh, and Yang dropped out. Yep, Yang, Yang dropped out. out because of New Hampshire. So New Hampshire was a huge win for Trump, more winning. He just has blown away any of his predecessor incumbents, you know, like Reagan mm -hmm. and Bush and even <laughs> Obama in New Hampshire. And if you have any questions or doubts, just look at the Trump rallies. We saw that tweet that you did, Speaker, just it showed side by side a Warren line. <laughs> <laughs> it was like 100 people long. And then you see the Trump line to get into the rallies. Some of these people were in line for 25 hours. Yes. And then you see the actual stadiums. There's thousands and thousands of people. And the lames, even the lamestream media had to report on it saying that they were there. I think it was just the night before when all the Democrats took the stage and that all of them together didn't even compel a candle to the crowd that was there for Trump. I have some stats on this. 52,559 tickets for Trump. 24,732 voters were identified. 41% were from in-state in New Hampshire. 17% uh, 70, didn't vote in 2016 that are showing up to this. 25.4% were Democrats. What does that tell you?
Ooh, that tells you they're scared. They are uh, shaking. I think we have some Democrats flipping over and uh Yep. I think we've got some Democrats flipping. So you just have to be observant though. Like see that's the things with polls and stuff like that. We're we're watching the field physically. Do you know what I mean? We're seeing the rallies. With there there is no Democrat that can pull a crowd like Trump. Maybe Sanders, but only in deep Democratic states. He can't do it everywhere, right? It's San Francisco, New York, places like that. Sanders will get a decent crowd, right? Because there's mm-hmm. a socialist crowd. That are, but he can't go to places like the Midwest and stuff like that and, and get these sort of crowds. He can't do it. No one else can do it. You've seen Warren. You've seen Biden, right? It, they can't pull these sort of numbers. Not everywhere across the country. Nope. Right. And then, and, and Trump sur- literally surpassed. So in the New Hampshire uh, primary vote, total of every incumbent president running for reelection over the last four decades, he just surpassed that. And of course, we're not going to hear, you know, lamestream media reporting on this. So he, he's got New Hampshire, he's got Iowa. But, but he, he got more in New Hampshire than all the Democrats did combined. Yeah. Yeah, Did he, I didn't see yeah. the Democrat numbers, so I didn't yeah, it, want to comment, it, but I was curious yeah, about that. It, 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 uh, I, I think definitely the top two anyway. He definitely got more than Sanders and Booty Judge combined. Wow. Booty Judge. Booty Judge. Booty Judge. Speaking of panic, yeah, and Corey, this goes back to your question last week where you had asked me about something your mother had asked you about mm-hmm. this rumor if they were going to try to drum up an impeachment 2.0. And I think there actually is some legitimacy to this now that I've looked into it a little bit. Interesting. Because, yeah, last week Trump had kind of insinuated it, that he's expecting it down the pike. And um, some other Democrats have kind of insinuated it as well. So Democrats have already lined up possible charges if they choose to pursue an impeachment 2.0. Pelosi has said that their Trump investigations will go on. So last week, Trump insinuated that he expects they will keep trying an impeachment, stating, so we will probably have to do it again because these people are stone cold crazy. But I have beaten him, and I think he was talking about Nadler when he said him, Mm. all my life, and I will beat him again if I have to. (laughs) they're not they're not stopping today this is cracking me up schumer again we're witnessing a crisis in the rule of law in america unlike we've never seen before it is a crisis of president that president trump is making and is enabled and embodied by every senate republican who was too afraid to stand up to him that so they're just all out today everywhere i look it's either schiff schumer uh hillary all this has done is make trump's uh, approval ratings go up and the Democrats' approval ratings go down. And it's, it's just solidifying how much hatred for the president they have, how far they're willing to go, how little they care about our votes or what we as the people want on display for the Americans to see. Right? And how they are completely out of options. Right. And it go, it's going to go, I think, go all the way up to the election. And it's actually just going to help Trump in that long run. I really think we're going to see some big things here. I mean, my God, we're just talking the, the last couple of days. Things are going to just get crazier and faster and faster. I really believe that. I think 
I think we're in a good position now and you're seeing how everything, like people are moving into the positions they need to be in. People or other people are moving out of the positions they shouldn't be in. I can't wait to see when we, when they announce that some various people from the state department and DOJ suddenly are no longer in their positions and then we'll know, okay, they've, they've got the rest of the swamp in those areas. I wanted to mention on uh, Monday this week, I released a article. It's more like a list. It's called a library for red pilling. And I wrote a little bit about some suggestions for communicating with people to open their eyes to truth. And one of the things I pointed out is, though I realize we're in the process of, you know, coming up to an election this year, I still think it's important that if you're talking about trying to wake someone up who is completely distanced from all of this, skip the politics. You know, this isn't really about, I mean, okay, there is some about left versus right. I mean, we just, we can't deny that as far as needing to get the right people in to drain the swamp. But the core of it is the corruption against the people. And people need to try to relate to people on that level instead of a political level, and it'll be much less threatening. So anyways, I put some different tips in there, and then I have a complete library for red-pilling people. I organized all of my reports and articles by, you know, this is a good primer. This is good for if you want to get something to go deeper. This is, um, these are various agendas. Here's some tools and resources, you know, and so on. And I created it in PDF format and it's free in my bookshop. And then I also have another article I released this week called Under the Radar and Over the Target. And I'm still working on chapter three. My intention is to have that out by the end of next week. It is a beast because it's the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which, which you know, ties into my book on the HIV AIDS slush fund scandal. So, and I know you guys just finished your part two video of your report on the Asian bioweapons. Yes, we did. And you have been killing it, Corey. The two articles this week, super helpful. The one with all the tools and links for resources. That was awesome for you to provide that for free. But I love the article that you did under the radar over the target, right? (laughs) Yeah. 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 And this Bill Gates one that's coming out next week, that's going to be good. That's going to be good. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's going to be kind of an important one. I can already tell. Yeah, it's huge. It's hard trying to narrow the field. You know, I'm trying to stay very focused on the HIV AIDS agenda specifically, but it's very hard when it comes to Gates to not expand out some because for those that still believe he's a humanitarian and philanthropist and trying to save lives, I think it's important to show some of the other ventures they're involved with. Mm-hmm. Killing it, team. Killing it. Doing well. I think yeah. we're going to take a few days off. Well, tell people about about your report. So we published yes. your report on my website, but then you guys took it and you did a two-part video on your YouTube channel. Yep, we did. And the first um, half was all about the past with Japanese bioweapons, which actually was the kickstart of China getting involved in bioweapons, but also, you know, stuff that we were doing here in the U.S. with bioweapons and the USSR is really just kind of an arms race that was going on. And then in part two, we really talk about and break down the 2003 SARS um, epidemic and look at that and compare it to the coronavirus. 
current coronavirus situation. And a lot, a lot of similarities there we can learn from the past and how that whole thing was mishandled and how there was speculation back then that it was man, that SARS was man-made uh, just as there's speculation now as the, you know, if the coronavirus is man-made. So we talk about that and we look at both sides, you know, and what the scientific evidence presents, what uh, people who are experts in various fields from political to military to scientific fields, what their perspectives are on what the Chinese have been up to, because they've been very, very secretive about their biological research and the government, the U.S. government suspects that a lot of their biological research, which is dual use, can be used and is being used in a bioweapons capacity. So we do talk about a lot of that in this part too. So check it out. And didn't they just say, I, I haven't had time to actually read the reports on it, but I remember seeing headlines, I think yesterday or last night, saying that they're starting to get a handle on this, on the coronavirus over in China right now, that it's like starting to taper down. Did you guys read up on that at all by any chance? I have not heard about it tapering down. I have not. Yeah, it was, it was being reported on multiple sites that they're, it's starting to slow down or there's not as many new cases over in China right now. Well, so I, three days ago, it was like the largest death day ever. So I don't know how it's dropped so quickly. They, they, 100 people died in one day three days ago. Okay, let me, I got to look it up now because I don't know how that's now I'm curious. It was just yesterday. Let's see. Okay, well, an hour ago, CNN's reporting that the death toll surpasses 1,100. Six minutes ago, Washington Post says rate of new coronavirus infections slows, but China remains largely shut down. So they're saying that the virus overall is slowing, but they're, of course, you know, for those that were sick, maybe the death toll is still Mm. covering well, up I don't trust CNN or Washington Post. <laughs> right. I know, I know, I know. There's, well, I think... There are other sources, too. I just... Yeah, yeah, I think quarantine will do that, you know, slow things down. But what we do know from the statistics and the evidence and the science behind it is that it is much more transmittable than SARS was. It's more transmit much more transmittable than the swine flu was. So it definitely is a more aggressive form of coronavirus than the, say, the 2003 SARS scenario. So that's concerning. And that does leave, lead to some speculation that there may be an element of bioengineering involved in that to make it more aggressive. I tend to think, and this is my theory, I think they were probably, I know they were working on bats and coronavirus in that Wuhan biolab, level four yeah. biolab. They were working on that for years. Since 2017, at least, but I think from 2011 to 2017, they were working on that. But I think it accidentally got out. And we know that happened with SARS. We know that happened in, in 2004 with SARS. It's not hard to imagine, you know, a, a, a vial dropping a disgruntled employee saying, stuff this, taking a vial and putting it in a fish market. It's not hard to imagine no. those scenarios in any way, you know? It's, it's not. And there there could be some nefarious activity going on. I don't know why they would do it to their own people. Maybe there's a depopulation agenda. I don't personally think that that's the case. That's just my opinion. But it is kind of interesting, the timing. So I guess you could look at that theory too, maybe, that 
there are certain people in this world that want to see some kind of just world disruption to divert our attention. Who knows, really? I don't know if we'll ever really know what happened. I'm on the same belief as you. To a degree, though, it it's also wouldn't be surprised to me that it originated from animals, considering if you've seen the state of China's markets, the filth on their street with animals and with contagions and just with hygiene in general, wouldn't surprise me. It, it wouldn't surprise me either way. But it's, you know, there's, there's, no, there's no proof at the moment anyway to decide either or. One thing that we do know is that people over there are affected. I've seen a lot of comments and a lot of people being desensitized to it, throwing out comments like, that's oh, just a fear tactic. Don't buy into it. Don't do this. Don't do that. Well, you don't really need to buy into the fear. You, you're in a Western country. We're fine. The world's fine. Okay. The problem at the moment is the Chinese people and we can't be emotionalist to their suffering because whatever the case, whether there's an agenda behind it or whether it's just naturally occurring, these Chinese people are dying. They're the ones copying the brunt of it. So don't, don't get emotionless when it comes to that sort of stuff. I hate saying that. Really hard to, to watch those people suffer. And to, to watch the Chinese government just really care very little for their people. Oh, well, they don't care. And it is curious that citizen journalist who went missing, the doctor that was a whistleblower that died. He started a bit of a movement too after his death. A lot of Chinese are really speaking out, asking for free speech. He's become a bit of, a, bit of an idol for them to raise their voices, which is good. So to recap, we've got, <laughs> we've got drain the swamp and then 48 hours of let's push Jim Jordan and Mark Meadows up. Let's dump 70 uh, positions from the National Security Council. Let's sue three states or carry out lawsuits in three states having to do with sanctuary cities and put big warning out to the country on that. Indictments on four Chinese hackers. We've got Smollett indicted. We've got Rudy talking to Barr, sharing his information, saying it's being looked into. We've got Director Ray admitting FISA was illegal. And there's, I believe they're investigating, there's an investigation by John Durham into Kevin Kleinsmith on that who was the FBI lawyer who altered a key document about Page in the third renewal process of that. And we've got the firing of Sondland and the Vinmans. We've got NYPD standing up to de Blasio. Lots of stuff going on. So this is all very telling and painting quite a picture. It'll be really interesting to see the rest of this week and moving into next week what all is going to roll out. Lots of booms. Yeah. Winning. All right. Well, thanks for listening to us here on Dig It. Please be sure to share this podcast. We're now on Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and of course, YouTube. We'll see you back next time right here on Dig It. Winning.